covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Mernier. Hello, everybody. Welcoming in fans of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast live for episode 101, game day edition. You might be wondering, hey, we're doing a live stream. Maybe you haven't seen some of the posts, but uh, why are you doing a live stream for one game this week? Well, hey, we got got some uh, got a big guest. Got the got a big uh, head honcho here that we're going to be bringing on shortly. But hey, it's a brand new week in the NAL. Things are getting more exciting, not only on the field, but also off the field. Plenty of transactions we've been talking about, plenty of new faces and new places. And I'm going to bring on my co-host to start diving into that a bit more and also bring on our special guest in just a second. Here's Jim Renier. First things first. Jim, how we doing, bud? Again, it's only one game this week, but, you know, we, we've, been, we've been hinted. We got a big live stream for a reason today. Well, we have to fill time, and why not go after the man himself? So <laughs> we can't break down one game spoken, for two hours. Spoken like a true showrunner. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, yeah, it's a big game. You know, as we mentioned before this week, uh, massive switch in uh, landscape of, of the league from Albany to Orlando. Now they're playing in Carolina, but yeah. Um, but best way to fill in time is uh, get the man himself on the show. This is. I think it's second time on the show and it's been a while. So yeah, um, that's why we reached out. He's more than happy to join. So why not have him on the show? Yeah. As we say, bring on the head honcho of the league himself. The guy that is pushing all the buttons behind the the scenes. It is our commissioner himself for the NAL, Chris Siegfried joining us today. Chris, glad to have you on. It feels like it's been too long. You know, it's been well over a year since we've had you on here. That, that is definitely on us, but we're glad to have you back on to kind of discuss things now in mid-season this time around. Uh, how, how are you doing this weekend? I'm doing great, and I'm honored to be here. And I have one bone to pick. You say I'm pushing the buttons. I feel sometimes more like a mannequin being, being <laughs> puppeteered around. But, uh, no, happy to be here. It's been too long uh, for sure, you guys. And, uh, you know, I've talked to you guys a little bit during during the week leading up to this. So I'm really excited to be on the show. It's been a long time coming. And, uh you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of fans over the last few weeks, so I know there's probably going to be some interesting questions. Some I might like, some I might not, but let's just do it Do it however you guys see fit. Let's go. Yeah, you're diving right into part of the big big thing with the show is we're, we did a uh, put come together and had a Ask the Commissioner episode we're going to be doing here uh, on the show. We'll also, of course, ask you some questions ourselves just kind of on the league as it is right now, and we'll kind of funnel in a few questions as it goes with the live ch- chat. We've had plenty come in over the course of this week for you that we'll be discussing momentarily. Um, but I'll kick things off, and I, uh, not to be selfish to the fans out there, but I just want to, you know, just dive in. I mean, where where are you at right now in terms of just your overall thoughts on the 2023 season? I mean, there, there's obviously a lot to unpack, but you know, big thing for us, Nets and competitive football have been really great to see for us on the turf. Yeah, 100%. So I think it's been an interesting uh, first third of the season, the first quarter of the season. Um, we've had a lot of, uh, you know, unstable situations that have kind of worked themselves out. We've kind of worked through some issues, which is a good thing. Uh, but it's kind of overshadowed how great it is to have the rebound nets back. You know, that's the single biggest thing that, that I personally have been fighting for since I, uh, you know, since the inception of this league. Mm-hmm. And uh, we actually, fans probably, some of them may know this, but we had them approved for the 2022 season, but we just didn't have uh, 
a solution that, that all teams were able to get the nets for last year at an affordable cost. So uh, I'm super excited about the rebound nets. It, it's already been a huge hit for our games. You've seen some bar balls. You've seen some kickoff returns for touchdowns. You've seen some rouges, some deuces. Uh, and of course you had the iron man and the scoring is way up. I mean, it's the game is getting back to its roots that, that, that I remember that most of the fans grew up remembering in the uh, early nineties, late eighties, early nineties, and through the early two thousands when this game was really great. So all we're trying to do is make arena great again. Uh, it, it feels so good. That first week seeing those nets back, it was a joy. Um, and seeing some of the stuff that we talked about, you know, you mentioned bar balls. There's already been games affected by the by those two a great deal. Week one in Carolina going to San Antonio. It was the first thing I said when I watched it, a touchdown scored on special teams. Was oh my god, we had a bar ball TD. I was waiting for this. This was the moment. You know, panning things out. Or we saw a victory via Deuce a few weeks ago. That was pretty awesome to see. You know, all this is from Nets. Now the only thing I'm waiting for. And Jim, I can tune in for his own on this too, but I, I've talked to him about this. When are we going to see a team take a risk and throw a Hail Mary off the net? I thought we were going to get it in Albany last week and we lost out on that. When are we going to see one of these coaches finally say, hey, just chuck that sucker back there and see if someone takes it off the net? <laughs> you know, that, that's a great point. You know, I actually thought we might see that in Albany as well. I was at that game and uh, I think you probably would have seen it if, the players that were involved knew for sure that that was a legal play, you know, had a lot of new players up there last week. So uh, it was an incredible second half and incredible fourth quarter of that game. But I don't know that it even knew that they could do that. So uh, I think we'll see it at some point this year. I know we've seen a touchdown ricochet off the net. I know we've yeah. seen a touchdown off the back wall. And I, I think actually that was in the same game by the same player. I think it was the San Antonio. Uh, I think it might've been San, Rashad from San Antonio. Yeah. Yeah, it was a Barnett tipped that bad boy up there. And Rashad speaking of Rashad, yeah, he is just lightning in a bottle. That kid is unbelievable to watch. I, I love watching, especially the smaller in stature players dominating games. I love seeing it. He's a great player. Uh, Chris, uh, early in the season we've had, especially from last year, how it took three or four weeks before the Ironman actually got coaches that got used to it. How – in your opinion, has the Ironman game this season just flowed right through the season? Like we have no issues and you introducing the substitution ref. How big is that in our game now compared to last season? So, so we've made a couple of tweaks to the rules, uh, both the kicking game and the substitution rules. And, and, uh, and basically here's what we did. Uh, we went back to a rule that was used only in 2006 where we added a third specialist and he had to be a lineman. So we have a, mm. you have your two regular offensive specialists, you two regular defensive specialists, you know, uh, but now we have a third specialist that has to be a lineman. So on offense, we call him the offensive line specialist on defense. We call him the defensive line specialist. And this is kind of the, you know, the little bit of the hybrid Ironman rules that we incorporated that, that helps some of these young players that might be, you know, not conducive, to playing on offense if you're a D lineman, maybe you're a, a, a pass rusher, or maybe you're just too valuable to the defense that they don't want to waste reps and take you off the field defensively. So number one, that's helped bridge the gap to help, you know, uh, increase the entertainment of the game. But the second aspect of it is we went back and looked at it and, you know, with, with some of the little substitution issues we had last year, we said, why, why don't we just have the players check in with the official, just like every other game, like basketball, like, uh, 
you know, every other game you have some yeah. sort of checking in with the official soccer. Uh, some some games it's a little bit more free flowing, like lacrosse and uh, and hockey, but still you you know you check in to some degree. You know, player checks in, player checks out, and this way we don't want to get into a situation where we're we're throwing a substitution flag during a game. We want to prevent the illegal substitution, if that makes sense. So that's that's why we incorporated that aspect of the game. So you have a sub official in each bench for each team and player simply comes and checks in and like I'm number 22 checking in for number 32 and simple as that. And it's pretty much eliminated. Uh, I think we actually had one substitution infraction <laughs> up in Albany the very first game they played, but it was and that ended up being uh, just an error on a coach's part, putting the wrong specialist down and, you know, the coach that was there at the time was there's he knew it, what happened and it was just a simple mistake and fixed Believe. it. Believe I know exactly which one you're talking about, but I mean that that it only makes sense to us when it kind of explained like that is that you know we we talk arena football we talk you know it's the best of you know we talk hockey talk basketball it's the best of those elements brought with football so why not kind of incorporate some of the best elements of those indoor sports and bring them in too especially with the Ironman you know some people. You know, last year we're talking about the substitutions being an issue, but this year, like Jim's saying, and I've, and, you know, more I think about it too, it's just, it's really been a non factor. It's been very much smooth, you know. And again, we get to highlight some of the best two way athletes in the sport now. Uh, and we don't have to complain about that being a, I think, louder voice is that, oh, well, the substitutions, well, no, it's going smoothly. Now you can see guys like we were talking last year, you know, you, you recognize the dude on the other side of the ball that you, uh, you know, went, oh, hey, I realized he just sort of scored a TD. Now he just broke up a pass. Like uh, Daquan Patton last week came in, you know, tough situation in Albany having to get on the field, you know, after after it being said and done. Hadn't played much during the season, but has a hell of an Ironman game and puts out everything on the field doing it two ways. Or Jalen Childress, for that matter, too. No, I agree 100%. I mean, the Ironman aspect, the two-way player aspect of our game, you know, is just something unique to almost any other, to every other brand of football. And uh, I believe it's a direct impact in our scoring going up as well. Uh, it just makes, to me, it makes the game more exciting. And, and uh, but that's the way the game was meant to, meant to be played, in, in my opinion. It's uh, what all the greats, when you think about all the great arena football players out there, you, you know, most of them are two-way players, except for the GOAT at receiver, touchdown Eddie Brown. But mm -hmm. the GOAT at Ironman is Barry Wagner, six or seven-time mm -hmm. Ironman you know, player of the year in the, in the old AFL. So, you know, these are just aspect, core core aspects of the game that make it exciting. You know, I, I did want to kind of double back or, or circle back to the kicking game. Uh, and it's something for the fans uh, that we did. You know, we kept – when we brought back the Nets, you know, obviously we kept the deuce and, and we kept the one point. But we added a few uh, wrinkles to the kicking game. One, to simplify things, and two, to encourage more kickoffs uh, hitting the net. So sure. now it's a penalty anytime the kick goes. If you imagine the uprights, right, and you imagine the outside of the frames, anything outside of the complete frame, not over, not under, not hitting it, but anything on the outsides that goes out of bounds is one point for the receiving team. Right. And that's happened a number of times uh, this year. It's happened three or four times in the last two weeks. Uh, and the other aspect is, you know, we used to spot the ball at either the five or the 20, the five if you got a deuce and the 20 if it went anywhere else out of bounds. Uh, we just standardized that to the 10 yard line. I think it simplifies the game. And, you know, the uh, thought process there too was, you know, you're kind of double penalizing the, uh, 
the receiving team if the kicker gets the deuce now you got the ball at the five and then you're kind of double penalizing the kicking team if the kicker kicks it out of bounds and he gets it at the 10 so or i gets it at the 20 so and i think it just simplifies the game for the officials as well you know these guys all of our officials for the most part are division one division two college officials and right. it takes them a few weeks to kind of get the arena down pat and uh by simplifying some of our rules that are a little bit uh they're a little bit odd for them. It just makes the game flow a lot easier. And we have been getting our game times down under three hours. So that's another big thing that we concentrated on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of, see a lot of few other rules that were made up to help with the speeding up of the clock as well this year, uh, kind of adjustments to halftime. Obviously we don't want this as often too, but there is that, you know, pseudo mercy rule, if you want to call it with the 25 plus points. And we've seen that instituted this year, but you know, it seems like the speed of the game, it's not, it's not as laggy as we've talked on here. It feels like there's a lot more motion and stuff that we like to see. Right. So I'll mention about the 25 point rule too, because I'll give credit where credit's due. You know, there, there's another league out there that's incorporating our deuce rule. And, uh, you know, we, we feel good when other teams kind of copy us and I'm referring to the IFL, but I'll also give them the credit uh, where credit's due. And they do have kind of a mercy rule, so to speak, uh, where you can kneel in the fourth quarter and, and, and kill the clock you know we we i don't know the exact how their rule works but we basically made it a 25 point rule uh if you're up by 25 or more points under a minute the clock's going to continue to run now if you have the ball and you're down by more than 25 points the clock's going to continue to run unless you score it goes underneath and and really what we want to do is and we feel like 25 points a game's now i don't feel it's out of hand but most people feel it's out of hand and uh we, we, we want to eliminate any kind of chippiness in the last quarter or last minute of the game. Sure. You know, we don't want to delay that last minute could take forever. And especially in a one-sided ugly game, it could take really long. So we're just trying to do the common sense thing. And, and we kind of collectively decide on 25 points. So uh, other than that, under 25 points, you got to get forward progress. Orlando almost found that out the hard way. <laughs> they certainly almost did. Yeah. <laughs> We had one question you mentioned about the kicking game um, on, on Facebook. We have dimensions of how people are supposed to set their nets. Is there going to be a rule set in the future that arenas have to set the heights of their jumbotrons, seeing that it's affecting a lot of the kicking games in certain buildings? It depends on what the ability of the arena is to move that jumbotron. Mm -hmm. You know, I think back to the, the old AF2 days when we had a couple of arenas, like namely the one down in Estero that has a low ceiling and, and you can only do so much with, with certain uh, scoreboards. Uh, but whenever possible, if it's if you have the ability to raise the clock, the, the jumbotron, if it's centrally located, if you have the ability to raise it up, you know, we encourage them to raise it up as high as you can and still still be visible to the fans. There is no... <laughs> There, there, there's standards, but there is no perfect standard for that because at the end of the day, we, we need those jumbotrons, and we have very few situations where the jumbotron gets in the way. Now we have some arenas where some some banners and flags hanging down sometimes get in the way, you know, and and that might be something we can address because because one one's been kicked a couple of times. I, I trying yeah. to remember where I was. Might have been West Texas. I'm not sure, but no, uh, Jacksonville. Oh, we have a, okay. we have you can tell when he's smiling. He, he knows. <laughs> well, I know there's another arena that had it. I think it was West Texas, but, uh, you know, little things like that, maybe we can address it, you know, but in, in West Texas case, 
you know, we haven't really addressed that yet just because they're a new team and we're still uh, working through some of the operational things to improve their game as well, to improve their product as well. And if you look at their week one to week two, it was incredible how much better it was just from a production standpoint. The Nets got powder coated yellow, so that, not the Nets, mm -hmm. but the frames of the Nets. And, you know, they just have, they're doing a great job. Zach Bug out there is a the majority owner and uh, he's doing a phenomenal job out there. Yeah, actually, well, well, before we get into fan questions, and by the way, for folks, we got now some people churning in a lot more in here. So uh, if you didn't put in a question in your com in the comments for any of our posts, fire away now, because uh, after this response, we will be doing fan questions and responses with the commissioner here. But I guess while we're at it, I mean, um, I think some fans will want to know this too. How, how is your evaluation so far of the new teams in the league? I think that's a, a lot of folks have been kind of trying to keep an eye on Fayetteville and West Texas. Um, how has it been with those markets in your experiences so far? So, you know, obviously we have a lot of growing pains, you know, and uh, in West Texas, for example, because I was out there for the for their home opener the first week of the season. And uh, just a lot of little things like the the micro the, the referee microphone didn't work. And, you know, there's just a lot of little things that, that hopefully the fans don't notice. But but we notice from an operational standpoint and they've got that pretty much dialed in. Fayetteville, same thing. You know, we we had some issues the day before the game where the where the nets that were ordered. Uh, let, let's just say that it was hard to make. They didn't fit right. So, mm -hmm. you know, the owner of the team and, and his staff and even myself, you know, we worked for a number of hours a day before the game, just just tweaking the actual nylon nets to get them put up right. Uh, and a lot of mistakes are made. And you know what I tell these owners and you know, the fans in those teams is like, you know, you need to improve each game. You know, you're going to have the first year team is going to have a lot of mistakes. That's, you know, they got through it. For example, Fayetteville had some issues with the replay, replay monitor. It was kind of going in and out. Mm -hmm. So the officials had to run up to the, to the, uh, where the, where the color commentator was. And that's literally the, in the concourse. So, yeah. you know, they got that address. You got the microphone address, just little operational things like that, that you need to improve each week until you get it dialed in like a uh, like a production juggernaut like Jacksonville. I know I always talk about Jacksonville in our league, but from top to bottom, the, the, their show from from the beginning to the end, and the beginning is an hour an hour before the game until you're done signing autographs. They just have a complete show that is just perfect, and we always tell teams, this is how you want to model your team like the Jacksonville mm -hmm. Shark. Uh, they just do a fantastic job with their promos. Their mascot is, you know, I, normally, I'd say second to none, but I think he's got a little bit of competition this year with, with the mascot out Texas. And that's great, though, because I think the mascot dynamic is a huge aspect that some teams just fail at. I, I, I love the mas mascot aspect mm -hmm. of the game. So, uh, But, yes, every team should be striving to, to put on a show like Jacksonville. Well, speaking of – we're talking about fans and fans' engagement. Uh, Dokon Williams asked uh, – what can, what can you suggest to help the fan support and put more people in the seats in uh, Fayetteville? We, we understand you were kind of asked about this during the home opener as well during halftime. So, um, or at least interactions in the community for Fayetteville. You know, uh, you know so we've got an inexperienced uh, owner up there, but he's very passionate. And, uh, you know, I've, I've said, you know, I've talked with him and after his game and, you know, uh, emailed a number of suggestions and there's lots of things that, that need to be done. And, you know, uh, first things first, there needs to be an increase in his personnel, in his staff, in his front office. You know, it's, uh, you know, uh, 
there's a there's an army base there for Bragg that military is huge sports fans and so you know the secret sauce up there if there is one is is cater to the military you want to get them in the door give all the little kids free tickets as long as their parents are coming paid right mm-hmm. so it's not that different than any other market right you know all these arenas have database of fans you want to you want to get those databases email blast hundreds of thousands of people to get those you know one percent of people right hit the hit the military base you hit the schools there's lots of creative things that they are working on i think that they just started late with that type of stuff thinking that people are just going to show up and and people aren't just going to show up if you're in a town and they just don't know about it mm-hmm. you know that's not a good thing so we're trying to encourage him to take some take some step baby steps to get the butts in the seats and uh because the team is very good. The team, the, the product is good, you know, and, and the op, the, the, the operations from week one, from game one to game two improved, you know, the replay was working, the microphones were working, you know, uh, the owner, Dr. Twiddell had a, I don't know if he did his second game, but he had this live band. When I walked into the arena, the first yeah. game, I thought it was the radio. Like I, I thought it was just going over the intercom. And turn around, and look back in the concourse. There was a live band playing, and they were absolutely fantastic. And uh, you know, that's something that you know personally, I think he should have them at every game because they were just they were great. They were awesome. So they were great for pregame uh, entertainment, and you could probably use them for halftime. And you know, so there's some things that they're doing good, but there's a lot of things that they need to improve on. And, and we, we try our best to, you know, make our suggestions based on the success of other teams like Jacksonville, you know, uh, and, and hopefully they take that advice. Mm-hmm. Mean Shout Zach, out. oh, sorry, Mean Zach oh, even yeah. suggested that Fayetteville needs to look at the San Antonio model, how they changed midway through the season. They went like, they went straight military appreciation day and they had like 5K in the, that stayed in that game and they kept mo- I want to say kept about 60% of those fans. Now each home game, it's pretty full compared to what we saw San Antonio week one, week two of last year. It's a complete night and day. And I, for me and Zach, that Fayetteville team is pretty dang good. Like they're competitive and it just hurts my, like I watch that game. I'm like, that building should have five, 10,000 fans in there. Cause that possibly is a dark horse title contender. They have a quarterback, have a young staff. They got Kinder Kings. It's, it's a solid team. And I'm just, Follow San Antonio's model. I guarantee you it can catch on and then get the mil- – like here in Jacksonville, they always do something for military. There's always a, a section that's full of military people, about, I don't know, 200, 300 people every single game. And that's the key in my opinion. Like bring military in. Then they'll – if you have beer, they will come. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> for sure. And, and speaking of San Antonio, they've really, uh, they've really stepped up in a big way this year. And, and you know, I've been working – directly with uh, with their point man, James Steubing. And, and they're definitely committed to helping every other team in this league. They, From a marketing standpoint, they're very, very good. If you've ever been to San Antonio, their parent company is all over the place in billboards, radio, all kinds of advertising. So they know how to market. I think they even uh, sponsor a NASCAR race team. So, you know, and yes. they've actually offered, uh, you know, some to help out other teams in that regards in the league. So we definitely need to uh, – you know, lean on all of our partners to make this league better. Uh, and that's San Antonio's, uh, you know, case in point. They've really uh, changed in the last season and a half. Yeah, for, they, for they've good, been to the positive. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's been night and day since the first few weeks of, for the Gunslingers, and they are one of to us. They're one of the model organizations right now in the NAL in terms of showing how the right way to grow is and kind of build up through your first few years. Um, I think for yourself, this is one that's been brought up a few times on our comments, and I think in a few times people keep asking this as well. And we've been seeing some new graphics, uh, some new community engagement with those that have been from folks that have been in the NAL community that have helped build recent social media postings and things of the like. Um, can you give us maybe a hint of like what might be more to come? I know that you know we we hear about it behind the scenes, and that you know the NAL's brand and image I think is one of the future endeavors that is uh, next on the list in terms of growth. Yeah, we're definitely looking forward to some potential expansion. You know, I've been in talks with several, uh, let's just say several cities, you know, and uh, we're, we're hoping to uh, nurture those relationships and, and get some teams on board and try to announce them sooner than later. From a marketing standpoint, you know, uh, you know, we've got some assets that are involved with certain teams that have uh, offered their services to help out with some content creation, which if, you, if you've looked at our website in the last couple of weeks, you, you're going to see uh, an increased level of graphics between our coaches poll, the media poll, uh, you know, and, and stuff like that. So we've got some people that love this game that, that want to be more involved that are going to help us in the social media aspect of promoting our team, our game and our teams. Nice. Jim, I think we have one or two that we you have clips of for questions from yes. Facebook we can throw up now. Let's see uh, if technology works this time. Yes. Uh, any uh, From Eric, any TV deals in the works for the championship game like our competitors have, do right now? Yeah, we've actually started, you know, we've been exploring some options and, uh, I, you know, th that's the goal is to, to try to get something for the championship game. But in, until I can get something in writing, you know, it'll be YouTube until I get something on writing. But that's one of the goals for this year is to get something on either uh, television or a uh, or, or some national platform. YouTube's YouTube's been great, you know, I mean, because it's easily accessible and the broadcast for most of the teams has been very, very good. Uh, but we definitely want to get a little bit more exposure on the for the championship game. And for the most part, every year our championship game has been just a you know phenomenal game except for maybe one year where it was a blowout but other than that it's just been a it's a great recruiting tool an advertising tool yeah and also i had a question from a fan on twitter asking does the nal plan on having any neutral site championship game in the future uh there's no plan as of right now uh is that a possibility it's always a possibility but you know the neutral site games that i've either watched or been a part of uh you don't have nearly as many fans as you do when the when the host team when a host team is is uh you know all the like jacksonville case in point they usually get about 10 10 12 000 people for their championship games and if jacksonville was playing in the championship game against uh you know let's say for lack of whatever orlando and they <laughs> played at a neutral site let's say in Georgia, I, I just don't think the fan support would be there. Now, with that said, if you get a title sponsor for that game and you give the league enough money, we'll play the game wherever they want to, wherever they want the game played. So right. it really comes down to dollars. And and right now, it's it's better from a revenue standpoint to have it at the at the home team, uh, at the home team's venue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, bring bring in a good fan crowd as we've seen recent years in Albany. Albany too, from those experiences last yeah. year me and, meeting up with you, that was a great time. 
it's a fantastic experience. We yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, you, I guess you were kind of referring to IFL having a neutral site in Las Vegas and, you know, they do a great job with their championship game. I mean, I'm, I'm not, a, by the way, I'm not afraid to face on, even if it's our competition to talk about it. I mean, uh, every year I reach out to their commissioner and tell them good job on a great season and whatnot. Um, I, last year I told him I'm jealous because he's got staff that works for him and I don't, but, <laughs> but I, I, you know, I, I checked them out. I checked, I check the other indoor leagues out, the CIF as well. And, you know, I'm always kind of monitoring them and, you know, seeing what they do, seeing what they do good, bad, and different. And it's it's a learning process. You know, I know a lot of fans will want to see us all combine, which I think is a possibility in the future. It always is. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, but for us, it really comes down to, and I say us, the owners, and, and just for the fans out there, just so you're clear, I work for the owners. I work for the owners. So, you know, you can be mad at me all you want, but I'm working for our owners. Uh, you know, and they know that. But we like the arena game. We like the high scoring. We like the rebound nets. We like Ironman. You know, there's just certain things that we really like about the game. And, you know, I don't dislike their game. I, I, mm-hmm. Their game's different to me. And, uh, but I, I like a lot of what the IFL is doing in terms of marketing. And, and I do like their neutral site game. I think it's pretty cool, but I think they would have had more fans if, if the home team would have, would have hosted. I, I think a lot of people always have questions about, you know, all the competition, of course, you know, um, and I think even future, I'll, I'll throw this one out there. Cause this was asked by several fans. Um, and we were talking in the pre-show, maybe we'll, be a bit taboo about this, but I'll ask your opinion. You know, the AFL, its name's thrown hat in the ring right now. What, what, how do you, and I think people definitely just want your thoughts on it. How do you view the AFL being a presence in this landscape now, or at least well, I think it's, I think preliminarily? Be, yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be interesting. There's been a, a number of people reach out to me and uh, even a, a former commissioner had reached out and said, you know, you know, what, you know, have you talked to him? And I was like, I, I haven't talked to anybody from that league. You know, I, I, and I haven't, and, uh, you know, I'm don't know why. I mean, I, I mean, I know, I haven't reached out to them. I don't know the guys, but, uh, you know, we just haven't had a conversation, but, uh, you know, I'm definitely curious to see what their plan is. You know, you hear the rumors floating around 16 cities and apparently a couple of our teams are involved, <laughs> but, but they're not, <laughs> but, uh, you know, but it, you know, it is where it is. I mean, we, I, I, we don't even know how they're going to play. Are they going to play arena rules? You know, are they going to play Ironman? You know, that you know, are they going to use the nets? I mean, you hear a lot of speculation, and I just mm-hmm. I, I wish I had more information. I don't. You know, I I have some people that you know think they know, or maybe they do know, and they're you know some of the numbers I'm hearing are, are just they're pretty interesting as far as cost to get in and all this other stuff. But I, I just don't have any direct communication with them to know what they're what they're doing. I guess they keep announcing 16 cities, but I, I don't know. I don't know one for sure. You know, when they mentioned one of our teams, I'm like, that's not happening. Yeah. The Jacksonville thing is that's what was being hinted on a podcast recently. That one. I mean, you, all three of us can say that. I think that rose a few eyebrows when we when say yeah, someone I mean, going out and saying that. So I just don't see it. I mean, you know, I'll put it this way. I've talked to just about everybody in Jacksonville and, and it's, you know, I, I believe them when they tell me that they're not considering it and they, they haven't talked to anybody, you know, uh, I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, you know, so we'll see. Sure, uh, sure. I, I, some people say they're not even going to play next year. I don't know. I mean, 
Uh, it'll be curious to see them play. If they play, I hope they play arena rules the way we play it, because who knows what happens in the future. I, I think that, uh, you know, quite frankly, I, I think that they should be trying to talk to us because we've got seven seven markets right now, and we've got we've got a number more that are interested. So, mm-hmm. you know, I w- whenever that time comes, I want it to be a good, positive working relationship. Uh, you know, I try to keep all the relationships positive. I mean, yes, we are in competition with other leagues, but but we're really not. W- you know, we want the IFL and the CIF to be successful, and and we don't. I don't like to see any t- teams fold. You know, especially in our league, I don't want to see any teams. Yeah. Fold. Uh, this is a tough business to run. You know, these owners are passionate about it. Very few actually make money doing it. You know, they're doing it for the communities. It, minor league sports in general is a is a difficult difficult sport and uh you know it's uh it's commendable that that the owners in our league are doing it so uh we don't want to see anybody in any other league fail and if the afl comes in and they're doing something better than we're doing it we'll take note and we'll do what they're doing but i just don't have any information and i haven't been in contact with anybody from that new league but I've but I hear some of the rumors. Now I'm not on Facebook anymore, but so I don't hear those rumors. I, from what I hear, it's probably a good thing I'm not on Facebook. But uh, <laughs> uh, so, so if I worried about what people said about me on Facebook, I probably would have hung myself by now. But uh, I don't worry wow. about it. It's, it, it, worry is about a, it. it is a it is a fun time on. <laughs> On the Zuckerberg app, that's all oh. I can tell. All I can hey, tell. The, the, the been, getting rid of Facebook has been the best thing that I've ever done. So, uh, you know, I've had I've had owners in our league reach, "Hey, are you okay?" I'm like, "Yeah, what are you talking about?" <laughs> well, I, I read this and I read that. I was like, "Well, don't worry, I'm not reading it. So it doesn't bother me <laughs> at all." You know, in the fans that do that, I do get a chance to talk to, and I've talked to some fans. Actually, I've talked to a fan recently in Albany, and uh, I just got done doing an interview. Uh, and uh, I was talking to the fan and he mentioned some things about Albany and some things going on. And so, so I started coming over and it, the first look on him was like, you got a little nervous. And then I, I, I chuckling to myself because, you know, I don't think I'm a, I don't know why I was getting nervous. I don't think I'm a very intimidating guy. I'm only about five ten, you know, uh, but uh, I kind of jumped up on the rail. He's a first row ticket holder, uh, season ticket holder in Albany. And he was just kind of talking and we were talking through some things and the, the dynamic of, the, uh, of what was going on up there. And then, but he did say something to me that really stuck with me that I need to be more cognizant of in the future. Cause we made a statement a, a week or so ago, uh, just in support of all of our owners, including Antonio Brown sure. in, uh, in Albany. But, uh, you know, he said, if you just want to put something out earlier that we're looking into things. And then I'm like, yeah, I, I guess that does kind of make sense. You know, uh, I said, I'm going to talk to my staff and make sure they know about that. You know, of course, I don't have a staff, but we were monitoring everything the whole time. But I think it made a lot of sense that, you know, maybe we put out just a general statement. Hey, we're looking into some things and making sure everything's okay. Give us a few days and we'll make a statement or something like that. And then that kind of made sense. And I was like, yeah, that that's probably something I should do in the future when there's any kind of controversy, whether it's real or not, you know, Mm -hmm. then. I think that's that's some good advice. But I like talking to the fans and I actually appreciate and I'm not I'm not inviting negative comments by all means, but I appreciate when fans tell me things that they don't like because that's the only way we can 
address them is to, is to hit them head on. And, uh, right. you know, there was a fan in Fayetteville that's like, you know, I didn't even know we had a team here. I was like, well, well, how'd you get here? He goes, I was actually in San Antonio and I saw an ad for San Antonio playing Fayetteville. And that's how I heard about the game. And I'm like, so I said, hey, here's my email. Email me your thoughts, and you know, I appreciate it. He actually emailed me while we were at the game still, and, and I basically took it to the owner. I was like, this can't happen. I'm like, he, I mean, I'm glad that he's at the game, but he shouldn't find out about your team when he's in San Antonio. You know, we, we you got to get the word out in your markets. And I just, I'm not picking on Fayetteville. It just happened to be that happened at Fayetteville. The other one was Albany, and I'm not picking on Albany, but I listen to the fans, and, you know, uh, you know, I've had fans reach out to me, direct message, you know, and, and I typically don't respond. But, you know, if I know them personally, then I'll, you know, I'll do my best to respond in time. Mm -hmm. And uh, like I said, I try to address everything head on. And when there's issues, we try to resolve them and work through them, get to the get to the bottom, get to the bottom of it, whatever it is. Right. And I, you did allude a bit, you know, I think fan engagement is big there. You know, I, I think you kind of, you partially answered two questions that were brought up. One about the PR side of things. So I think that addresses kind of your talk and you are, you guys analyze situations and are going to be working on, you know, it sounds like talking about where can we do to move on and improve from there. Um, and then we had a gentleman of our, ours on here on Facebook, Tom Gross, bring up uh, about the Albany situation. You kind of alluded to a few things in that regard do you see that for i'll ask this i'll put it point blank do you see that as calmed down now um in terms of the league side of that or how are you yeah it's definitely that? it's definitely getting smoothed over i mean you know the transition was not perfect but uh you know, i had a i had a fan uh person direct message me and was basically like you know you gotta get rid of such and such other i'll just i'll just put it out there you, you gotta get rid of ab and i'm like my my response was you want me to try to get rid of the owner that just paid a substantially large work comp bill and essentially is funding the team. How's that going to work out? You know, and, you know, Mike Carter ran the, ran the team for a number of years and, and did a very good job. And, and he decided to step away for his own reasons. And now Antonio is running the team and he's done everything we've asked him to do and he's paid all the bills. So, uh, you know, was it perfect transition? No, it was not perfect. It's still not perfect, but uh, it's my obligation to support every owner. And that includes both Mike and Antonio. And I'm going to do everything I can to make sure Antonio Brown and the Albany empire are successful, both on and off, well, not on the field, but off the field. Uh, and the same thing with Orlando, you know, I live in outside of Orlando, so I don't, I, I don't ever want to see Orlando going away. So I'm going to support Mike and, John and, and Nate Starling down there and uh, John Cheney and Nate Starling down there with the Orlando Predators as much as I can, you know? Yeah. So then, and, and I'm going to support all the teams, including Fayetteville, you know, I'm Fayetteville is near and dear to my heart. Cause that's where I got my first head coaching job back in 2002. And, you know, a couple of their coaches used to play for me back in the day. So I, I'm, I'm glad they're good on the field because that makes me, that makes me proud. Right. So uh, I don't want to see any teams in our league fail. And, and uh, I wish I could spend like, the whole off season in every single market, but I, I can't, you know, I still have to make a living. Oh, we, we echo your sentiments. We always hope for the best in rosters and organizations because we want to see the league grow. You know, that, that's, you know, and we want to see new owners that you know, are passionate about this game and are helping grow the game back up yeah. to what we, you know, we all, we all at least either have been told about or have watched the glory, the, 
the golden years of arena, you know, the late nineties, the two thousands, it was a legitimate big time sport. And so we all still hold on to that and our diehard fans, I think even more so because of it and the experiences we have, you know, hell Orlando being an example of an organization that, you know, we've talked on this show, you know, mm. 7,000 plus fans for a home opener. You know, that's amazing that that rivaled an XFL game in town, like an outdoor, yeah. an indoor, an arena team, rivaling outdoor team in any level like that, you know, that's, that's growth. That was like a big, you know, eye raiser to us. It's like, that's a good movement forward well, for the league as a whole, seeing that yeah. be a second big market like that. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because when it comes to the USFL, the USFL and the XFL, I'm happy those leagues are there. But with that said, it's like, that's why I love our game so much more. Not only are we indoors. So let's take Orlando's, uh, XFL or USFL team or whichever league they're in. Uh, I hope they're successful and I hope they're around for years and years and years and years. But we're a whole different sport. We're football, but we're arena football. It's 50-yard indoor war. You know, it's the nets, the whole thing. It's more different, more unique. Oh, and by the way, it's always 72 degrees inside. So that's <laughs> that the too. biggest thing that we have over any outdoor team. Now in San Antonio, they're, they're out, their outdoor team plays in a, in a big dome. So I can't, you know, we can't use that selling point against them. But but I'll also say this. And listen, when I when I say this, keep in mind, I love football. I love high school football, love college football and love the NFL. Right. And I, I don't dislike any of the other leagues. I like the Canadian League. I like all the leagues. I, I like opportunity for these guys. I like football being played. With that said, I was at a Dolphins game against the Steelers, as a matter of fact, uh, this past fall, it's only the third NFL game I've ever been to, believe it or not. And I had great seats in the luxury box and I couldn't see it. <laughs> I could see it, but I couldn't tell who anybody was. So I watched the whole game on the monitor. And that brings me back to one of the other things about our game that I love. And it's the intimacy of the game. The fact that you can high five or fist bump players in between plays, you know, you're going to catch a foot, you know, 20 footballs going into the stands on a, on, a, on a given game, sometimes more, you know, and you just don't get that intimacy in any other sport, maybe, maybe basketball, mm -hmm. right. But even hockey's got the hockey boards, you know, and that's, yeah, that's probably saved a lot of fans lives because that hockey puck would kill people. But, uh, but the intimacy of our game is, is the thing that I love the most, all the other stuff, you know, I love the gameplay and that's all the whole nine. But uh, so in, in the big picture, we're not worried about competition, especially when it comes to the big field, because we're so different, so unique. And I think that's what fans fall in love with. And the high scoring, you know, a bad game in our league is what, 45 to 42. A low, I shouldn't say a bad game, a low scoring game. There you go. <laughs> not a bad game because, you know, the typical football game is not high scoring like that. But, <laughs> right. <laughs> but all the factors involved with our game is, you know, it's all about the pass, passing game and, it's all about high scoring, high flying, and that's what we love, and we just think that's what the fans want. But you, you're mentioned about intimacy and talking about Albany and the transition they just went through and the firing <laughs> and then the rehire Manas. What are your thoughts about Tom Manas and this this whole, whole ordeal up in Albany? Well, when the whole thing kind of went down with with uh, with uh, Antonio with uh, with Antonio firing some players and the coach. You know, and, and we talked about it and, you know, we talked about, hey, you know, he's like, I need a coach. I was like, yeah, you've got a game in like four days. You definitely need a coach. Yeah. So, uh, 
so I sent him some recommendations and uh, the two top recommendations I gave him were his dad, Eddie Brown. Uh, and, and you have to understand, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a few years younger than Eddie Brown, but Eddie Brown is, you know, some believe Eddie Brown is the greatest uh, receiver to ever play. Well, arguably the greatest receiver to ever play the arena game. At least he was voted number one by all the fans multiple mm -hmm. times. You know? And again, Barry Wagner, greatest Ironman. So, you know, when you think of Albany Firebirds back in the day, you think of downtown Eddie Brown and, you know, he, I think he wanted to get involved and, and we actually talked about it. So I, I gave him the top recommendation and that was for many reasons. And, and it was out of respect for, for Eddie. And, uh, but then I also recommended Tom Anas and he called me and he said, why would you recommend, you know, Tom, we, he didn't say it like that. He's like, you know, you recommended my dad. I was like, absolutely. I was like, he is the Albany Firebirds. So when people think about it, that's who they think about. Right. And he's like, right. you also recommended Coach Manas. I was like, well, he did win two championships. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't know why he was let go to begin with. So, uh, so he called, he called Tom and they worked out a deal and Tom was on the plane the next day and the rest is history. So I was happy for him. You know, I was pleasantly surprised, let's say that he took the job because the circumstances of, of the team last week were, were exceptional, uh, to say the least. Uh, <clears throat> but I think, uh, you know, coach hiring, uh, Ben Bennett, who's another arena legend, uh, yes. You know, he's, he's in the Arena Football Hall of Fame. I think he might even be in the Duke Hall of Fame, too. Uh, a lot of people don't realize he played at Duke, but he played his offensive coordinator with Steve Spurrier. So, uh, you know, he's old, too. He's a little bit older than me, but he was a quarterback in Orlando my rookie year. So, uh, so I think having those two guys up there together, uh, it's going to be a good fit. I think it's a good fit for the organization. And uh, like I said, I was happy to see Coach Manas back in the saddle, you know, and uh, things happen. It's professional sports. Players, coaches get let go all the time. I've been fired. It sucks. But, you know, uh, they're, they're making a lot of positive changes up there. They're, you know, how they got there is debatable. But everything that seems to be pointing the ship in the right direction, they're getting some pieces in place, and I'm excited for them. And I'm going to do everything I can to support that organization and every other organization in our league. That too. <laughs> Very much, I would say, too, is the case. Um, I, I got a great one, I think, that just came, that, or I got a great one, I think, that just came across the, uh, the, our, our, recent ones as we're doing this show uh bob i'm gonna butcher your name i'm sorry uh, i hope it's book oh it's buck or butch i'm going to be bob mad butch. i think it's butch and i'm sorry but he had a great one here um because i think some of us have asked this question too why are the gunslingers allowed to have an open end zone in the freeman coliseum they're they're the only one in the league that has the specific setup where you have a closed and an open on on one opposite side or the other or i guess like a partial end zone. I mean, if you have any insight on that, I think people would love to hear that too. Yeah, so it's it's a it's an incomplete oval, right? An incomplete like the one the one end zone. I don't know if it's north or south end zone is basically after the walls curve and then it stops, right? So yeah. it, one side is open, and uh, I can give you the uh, a fluffy answer, or I can give you the real answer, or both. <laughs> Whichever you preferred or allowed to. <laughs> well, it, it originally started out the first game last year where they didn't have they didn't have the rest of the walls, <laughs> so that's okay. how it started, right? And uh, but what it morphed into was 
it was just easier because they put all the, they bring all the promotions in and out of that end zone. So uh, it's a one-off situation. And fortunately, both teams have opportunities to play in each direction twice a game, you know, two quarters a game. So there's no competitive advantage or disadvantage. Uh, but yeah, it just started out with that's how many walls they had for the very first game. And they just kind of rolled with it and kept it the same. But that's the end zone that they the player both teams come in and out of. So there's a lot of action in that open end zone. So that part makes it a little bit easier. I don't think there's any uh, negative competition factors involved with it. Uh, I, I personally would like to see it, you know, either both sides completely open or both sides completely closed. But sure. doesn't doesn't seem to affect the game, at least not to my knowledge. And if I'm wrong, you know, someone please correct me. Do you think? Uh... Has there been any cases that you've had people worried, say, about the player's safety on that? Or has that just been – or is there a way that, that's mitigated from that still? So I haven't been down to San Antonio yet. I'm going there in a couple of weeks. But uh, the first year, you know, the first game of last year for the San Antonio Gunslingers, you know, there was some safety aspects. They had uh, some kind of contraption like like five feet on the other side of the end zone. And uh, so we kind of had people positioned in front of those. Uh, it was like a, it was like a, uh, the, the framing for like concert framing, <laughs> like the oh, nets. Oh yeah. Like, the yeah. Nets. They had some kind of contraption there. It was just too close to the field, and they had a couple promotional trucks from the, uh, uh, from one of their uh, partners. So we're like, yeah, this is kind of close because guys are going to be coming at a high rate of speed, you know, going for the football, and the last thing they're looking at is not off the field, they're looking back at, you know, they're kind of coming in blind. So uh, they've since kind of moved some stuff back and got it out of the way. So, uh, you know, we try to do everything we can to make sure that the playing surface on and off is as safe as possible. But there's little nuances here and there that you have to, you know, be aware of. But, uh, you know, open end zone is, but it's not unique to the game. We've had plenty of teams with open end zones before um, dating back into the 80s and 90s. Gotcha. Okay. Speaking of San Antonio, we have the voice of the San Antonio Gunslingers asking a question about has the line specialists worked out as envisioned by the rules committee? Yeah, I think so. Yes, because we've been able to attract some of the players. Number one, we've been able to attract some of the players back that, that you know, left our league because they weren't going to be two-way players. Mm-hmm. And it's allowed certain players in our league to be marquee defensive players a.k.a. Kerry Starks in West Texas. You know, he is a uh, menacing defensive player, a high-motor yeah. guy that that is – I, I think he's actually a D-specialist because he plays both Mac, Mac linebacker and, and D-line, but he, he's a guy that's benefiting from having that that third specialist position uh, on, on the team. So I think it's been good. I, I like the third specialist. You know, uh, I was – we were debating bringing that back last year, but then some of the people were like, no, go old, old school, you know, original old school. But I really like it. It's, a, it's just that to me, it's that perfect compromise to kind of please everybody uh, player wise, uh, because we don't we don't want to lose players because of the rules of the game. We want to encourage right. players to come and the ones that are playing it, you know, just seem to love it, you know, and I'm not going to name drop anybody, but we had a kid last year that, you know, might have won MVP and played a little bit of two-way, and he was absolutely exceptional as a two-way player. He could be playing in the, on a black and red team soon. But uh, he uh, 
he's he became so valuable. You know, he's such a valuable kid on offense that they kept him more on offense. But at the beginning of the year, he was playing two way, and and I was just like, man, this kid could do it all. And he's not a young guy, you know. I I, I think we know who you're talking about. So, uh, I, but we, you know, but see. The great thing about the the substitution or the Ironman rules is it really takes these guys' athletic ability to another level. And you're seeing guys that just, you know, they're playing in their quote-unquote unnatural position, but you're realizing these guys are just football players. Uh, I, I should know his name off the top of my head, but number three for uh, for West Texas. He's Children. even small. Okay, he's even smaller than Rashad. And this kid is a flat-out football player. I mean, he is special and he can tackle. I mean, uh, he made a huge tackle in the, in the game against Albany. Uh, he's uh, <laughs> he caught the game-winning touchdown. <clears throat> I was up uh, I was up at about mid-level on the field, and I saw the quarterback throw the ball, and I'm like, yeah, there's no way he's getting it. And because it, it looked like the ball was 20 yards past him, that's how far it looked. You know, not really, but that's what it looked like to me. And I just saw another gear. And he tracked that ball down. I'm like, oh my goodness, this kid's got next level speed. But turn him around. He's 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 uh he's he can tackle. He's a good he's a good DB. He made a lot of yeah. plays, and he's he's pretty good off that net too. So, uh, but I like seeing these dynamic players that just are showcasing their skills, not just on offense but defense and special teams as well. Yeah, uh, uh, Childress was one we we were highlighting. We we loved highlighting at the beginning of the year. And yeah, he's he's turned it on. You know that 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 TD last week. We were talking about how that game was playing out, and it was more of like uh, if you're going to beat, like say, the Empire or West Texas, it was more about chipping down the field. And of course, you have the end of the game where it's two big plays. You know these deep shots. All of a sudden, things just clicked for both of these organizations, and then you know that's all she wrote. Had one last final shot at it with the Quan Patton, but. Yeah, I mean, Childress definitely is one. Like I said, that's an example of a good two-way player. You hinted at one that uh, should be. We understand coming back later this year. We won't fully say the name, but it, I know, I know, uh, my man next to me is excited to see uh, see him hopefully soon. So that'll be good. The yep. chat's also mentioning him too. So that's why I'm not gonna. You can read into it. <laughs> oh, just tell me if it's Jacksonville, Orlando, and I'll tell you what we're talking about. <laughs> You know, a great. I'm not question. looking at the chat. I don't know if I have it turned off or not. I don't know. We we we, we keep trying to bring them up. It's we got Facebook, we got YouTube coming up, so it's all over the place. Um, you might see that one there. <laughs> Best in the world hashtag Uno six eleven twenty three. Might be might be adding a little bit. Yeah, we're looking forward it. to seeing him back on the field. I'm not gonna lie, he's good. He's good for the game, and it'll be exciting to see him back. So great league talent, really. Absolutely, and I, I think you're right. He yeah. he showed last year his Iron Man ability was great. Yeah. So, yeah, so um, it's exciting to see Devin back for sure. Uh, speaking I, of receivers, the goat now in Orlando, Darius Prince. Closer to you, you you speak highly yeah. of him last year. Now he's right at your doorstep. What's your opinion about the new Orlando Predators? Well, you know, uh, for the players that left Albany, uh, some some not by choice, some by choice. Uh, they've been spread across the league uh, from West Texas to San Antonio to Jacksonville's got two uh, and Orlando's got, I think four, uh, but that's going to help him out. I mean, any team that he plays on is going to help, help a team out. So uh, mm -hmm. uh, it should be interesting to see. I think uh, the parody in our league is incredible. And 
I mean, if you think about it, I mean, Jackson, I mean, Orlando, you know, I hate to bring this up, Jim, but uh, I mean, Orlando did just, you know, win in Jacksonville. So they, oh. they, they kind of started to get it right. They had it, they have a young quarterback and, uh, you know, so they started to put up some points, but, you know, you add, uh, you know, CSA and a Nick Hague to their up front where, where, you know, where they, uh, they could use a little bit of depth. Uh, and then I guess the cherry on top is having an MVP on the team. So it's going to be an interesting to see how, number one, how do they gel together, right? Because you're talking about some guys that came from a, a, an emotional situation and now they're down in Orlando, uh, which is a totally different animal. And uh, they've got to gel with the guys that have been there the whole time. That's not necessarily an easy thing to do. So that'll be an interesting, you know, uh, transition down there because their team makeup is different, you know, potentially better. You know, uh, and speaking of Jacksonville, uh, you know, don't want to totally make it seem like we're dissing on Jacksonville, but uh, it happens. You know, I'll, I'll, I love what Gibson's doing, and and you know I hate to see the young quarterback uh, uh, get hurt, uh, you know because I think Connor Blunt. Yep, I think uh, I think he's special. I think his uh, I think he's a superstar, a future superstar in our league. I mean, I, I haven't seen many quarterbacks, if any, get it as quickly as he did from the first first quarter that West Texas game to the end of the game, I could see growth. And then watching him play, he was leading the league in every single category he possibly could be leading him in. Wild. Mm -hmm. But uh, I hate to see him get hurt. I hate to see any player get hurt. But, you know, excited about what Gibson's doing with building a team uh, around young quarterbacks. So uh, he'll be back. Of course, their, uh, their new quarterback down there is not too bad, you know. So, you know, Sam Castronova. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> it's a nice, it's a nice, uh, you know, but think about our quarterbacks around the league right now and just, you know, pretty much pick a team, you know, you got Arvell Nelson in San Antonio. I mean, Arvell is a beast. He's, he's a big dude. Great. Knows the game, you know, can, can throw it with the best of them, you know, uh, the lefty down there and and uh, Hess down there in Orlando is is getting better. Big kid, smart kid, new to the game, but you know he's he's got tremendous upside. You know Sam yeah. in Jacksonville and and uh, Blount, of course, you know uh, done for for now. But uh, and they've got a young, another young kid, Eddie Brill Jr. in Jacksonville that's got tremendous upside. I think he threw six or seven touchdowns in relief. Mm -hmm. You know Cato, I think Cato's special. I mean, list goes on and on. Of course. You know, you got uh, Jonathan Bain back in the saddle up there in Albany. That's going to be a, a positive game changer for those guys, you know. And uh, and and the young man in Carolina just played an exceptional game a few weeks ago against Albany. You know, uh, he's uh, man, he's just he's calm, cool, and you know, I just think he's been getting better, and better. Start out obviously, start out in Jacksonville it was a little rough in the beginning, but he's learned the game and he's having a heck of a season as well. So. Uh, another lefty in West Texas is finally starting to get it turned on. So we got great quarterbacks in our league, and that's that's exciting. Yeah, I mean, I, heck, I was I was even mentioned too, Daniel Smith over there, and Tech West Texas just showed that they signed on a guy, Mitch Kidd, who was in another indoor indoor esque league in the FCF, was throwing pretty well mm -hmm. over there, the Rock too. So a lot of good yeah, talent that's a, right that's now a, coming in. That's a, isn't that like a seven on seven league? 
I think, uh, pretty, yeah. pretty much. It, it's it's more. Yeah, I, think I watched a little bit yeah. of them. They're, they're on Twitch or something like that. So it's like if you took indoor an arena and you. It's like a video kind game. Of, yeah, pretty they're much. Like yeah, video, it's yeah, more yeah. video game esque. Even and that's even weird to say for arena football to put it that yeah. way. But yeah. you know, I, I digress. So this is a great, I think, segue into this. Just talking transaction wires kind of been bonkers for two weeks now. Um, you talk about the league office. It's uh, well. <laughs> mostly you how is it handling and processing transactions in this volume we know every year come like pseudo towards the middle of the season teams they reload it's an nal trait everyone braces for it anymore how do you, how is it for you seeing like a bunch of emails come in i picked this guy up i dropped this guy uh this guy got traded possibly or picked off off waivers we saw waivers come back this year so yeah. in more of a ferocity so yeah a lot of stuff. <laughs> well, what's interesting is we've always had a claim process, speaking of the, the waivers, the transactions. And, and yes, I do process them every night. And lately, it's been a lot. It's been like preseason camp all over again. But it is what it is, right? And uh, But I wanted to make sure, because I had a lot of coaches call me, is like, how do the claims work? <clears throat> so we kind of revamped claims process and updated everybody, and this is how it works. And, and really... Uh, you know, we, we tweak the rules to to benefit the players and, and give them a little bit more of a say so in terms of being able to control where they go for the most part. You know, uh, but it's been busy on the transaction side of it. And, you know, I mean, it, it's been busy, but at some point in time, and usually about midseason, teams need to kind of settle down and get dialed in and get their players uh, gelling. You know, uh, you could peak in the first or second week of the season. That doesn't matter. You want to peak at the end of the season. So yeah. uh, it usually settles down middle of the season, barring an injury situation like they had in Carolina last year. Injuries are the great championship killer, right? You know, you lose your quarterback or you lose a key player. And that's what nobody wants to see. And I certainly don't want to see it. I hate to see players getting hurt. But uh, I've been busy. Feels very light to even say I've been busy. Commission, <laughs> uh, uh, one more question um, for me. Uh, I've been, we've been getting a lot of this. Last year we had the playoffs, then the bye week, then the championship game. Due to the schedule being pushed back a week, do we lose the bye week between the first round and the championship game, or are we going? Yeah. No, back? this year we're going straight to the championship. Uh, okay. You know, with with the last minute schedule change when Columbus dropped out and. So, so in a perfect world, you have an even number of teams and you have no bye weeks or, or one bye week and you just play X number of games, right? 15, 14 games in 15 weeks. Mm -hmm. But we had to start a week early and we have to end a week late and we didn't want to change the championship game. Well, let's just say we, we could have changed the championship game, but only two or three teams had the date available. So when it comes to scheduling, it's all about arena availability. It's not like you know, we want to start later or start earlier. It's we got to go when we have the dates. And that's why like Jacksonville's coming off back to back or this week they have a bye week. So they have two bye weeks in a row, not ideal. And, and Steve Kern, who does a great job up there in Jacksonville as the managing partner, he's actually, you know, uh, took lead on the schedule this year. And last thing he wants to do is give his team back to back bye weeks. So, uh, it just is what it is. So, uh, we didn't have enough dates to move it back. We would love to have a week in between because it helps us prepare and have a better banquet and have a better setup. 
but we've done it before and we're just going to do it again. I don't necessarily enjoy that week because, you know, it's a busy week and, but having an extra week definitely helps. So, uh, mm-hmm. but you know, we're going to make the best of it. It's going to be great. The championship will be good no matter where it's at. And we'll do the same festivities with the banquet and all that stuff too. Oh, sure. I mean, I imagine the la- last minute nature things. I mean, credit the league. That was one thing we were happy to see this past year was the schedule got out in such a much more, fa- much more, uh, I would say, advanced fashion than recent years. So we love that. But you can't always predict the future on some aspects. So that I can only imagine that made it much more of a juggling to get a new schedule after doing yeah. a full schedule like that, which stay- which sucks because it was like it really was a good thing that you guys had it out in October all ready to go and then you have to go and redo it again well yeah that you know you never want to redo the schedule but i think uh learning from this past year i think it's better to to get it out early and change it if you have to because a lot of teams want to see that schedule a lot of fans want the schedule before they start buying tickets so Mm -hmm. you know uh for the most part we've made very little changes in terms of the home dates when we had to revamp the schedule uh, I think there might have been one or two home dates that changed. But outside of that, the teams might have changed when we changed the schedule, but the home dates didn't. So fans can you know, plan their their summer, springs and summers on, on when those home games will be, and that's the key. We want to get the schedule out in September, but it's not always possible. Sure. Yeah. Still, still hoops to jump through and availability. It's the key thing. If any one of you on the chat takes it away, availability and other business aspects. There's yep. a lot that goes around to make these wheels turn for this Absolutely. league to pull things off. Absolutely. Absolutely indeed. I have one final I have one final thing I'm gonna bring up. And this is a fan question. Um, I'm gonna call it I'm gonna call it a weird one. Actually, we'll do two because there's another one that was fascinating that Jim brought up okay. before the show. Bring, this isn't that question. This isn't that bring question. Up. This one is weird on. as well. Um, I had a person, uh, Chris Via, I'll go by that name. I hope that's right. He asked, What gel what hair gel do you use? <laughs> I didn't expect that one. From my let's list. just say, let's just say, my uh, my gel bottle lasts for months. <laughs> I don't have enough hair to put it in. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, sometimes I don't even need any because it's like I had a lot more hair when I before I got this job. But uh, <laughs> so whoever that fan is, but uh, no, it is what it is. I mean, I don't know what I use. I use something, soap and water. Okay. That was an outlier. There's a lot of similar stuff. Then you see that, you're like, okay, well, we got to throw it in. It has to be yeah. in the list now. It doesn't take much. <laughs> well, Jim, I'll let, tell you what. I'll let you introduce this one because this was, like I said, yeah. We we had we had we had brought it up in the pre-show and you know, you're saying fire away like screw it we'll, we'll throw it in here. I forgot who sent the question, but they said that and me being a you know person that does this, I said now nah, I'm not going to answer ask this and I blocked the guy. He did say, uh, when will you schedule your retirement or when will you resign? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, I actually have the date in mind, so. Let me write it. Hold on. You guys ready? Yeah, I think I'll, I'll I be think. resigning. Never. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen. So uh, I, I got fired as a coach one time, and the owner asked me to resign. And I said, I'm not resigning. And he goes, Well, you know, it just looked better if you resign. I said, No, every coach in the league is going to know I got fired. 
<laughs> so you because <laughs> it don't bother me if I get fired. So, you know, it's like this, you know, I, I love our game and uh, the owners can replace me at any time. I'm not under a contract. They can they could fire me at any time. And I know a couple owners that probably do right now want to fire me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm going to I've enjoyed the ride and I'm going to keep on going for the foreseeable future. So, uh, you know, sorry. I mean, I'm not resigning. Not yet. Ask me next week, maybe. <laughs> that might have to be something you ask me. Ask me at the championship game. That might be a better time. But, uh, no, I do love this game. And that, those kind of questions don't bother me at all. I mean, uh, a, a good coach and a friend of mine said to me one time a few years ago when I'm like, dang, these fans are like, they hate me. <laughs> he says, you're not you're not doing a good job until someone gives you, until someone talks trash about you as a commissioner. I was like, oh. But I must be doing really good because <laughs> <laughs> everything that happens wrong in our league is my fault. Just so you know, it's my fault. Well, it, so. I think it comes with being a, fa a face to look towards is kind of the deal. I feel like commission no, league listen, commissioners, they're they league commissioners and fan, fans looking for something. Fan, they go hand in hand. I will resign when they get my hair back. Mm, there you go. It's, it's, Use that it's gel. Your more. fault that I'm losing my hair. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, though? I love our fans, right? Even the ones like when I talk to the fans and the fans that maybe don't like me and then they start talking to me and we can talk about what's really going on in, a, in an intimate way, then then all of a sudden it's like it's eye opener. It's like, yeah, like like everything else, don't believe everything you read on the Internet. Right. There's always there's always this side, that side and the truth. Right. So. Right. Uh, but no, I, I I appreciate that fan for, you know, having the courage to just to say that again, I'm not, I don't want other fans to get on that bandwagon, but uh, bring on any question. There's no question too difficult. If it's too difficult, I just, I won't answer it because I probably don't know the answer. <laughs> yeah. We, we appreciate, we appreciate the straightforwardness and uh, honesty from your commission. Um, and we're glad to have had you on the show today. Uh, really. Yeah, this it's, was, my, it's uh, always my honor to be on. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah, seriously, it was even while we were getting ready for the season, we're like missed the mark to get you on. And it's like, we need to find a time. It's perfect yeah. timing. So seriously, glad to have you on. Um, looking forward to seeing what's coming ahead for the league, obviously. And, you know, we're glad to be a part of that journey. Yeah, it's exciting, man. I'm, and you guys are a huge, huge part of it. So I enjoy what you guys do. And thanks for what you guys do. It's the best podcast in all of indoor or arena football. And uh, keep it up. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> Commissioner Siegfried, everyone, glad to have him on the show. And folks, if we didn't get to your question, um, we apologize. Some of them we'll admit were either answered during conversation or were ones that are alluded to as to things that probably aren't happening or won't be. So that just yeah. just as a FYI for some of those that were brought in last minute, it's not the time frame as well. That it, there's a bunch of factors, but we try to get as many of the unique ones as possible to get to the commissioner to, for today. And we're glad you answered all of them in capacity. Yeah, anytime, really. anytime. I appreciate it. All right. Well, Commissioner Siegfried, have a good one. We'll catch you on the yeah, flip side. <laughs> See ya. All right. Well, great conversation folks. And thanks again for submitting questions. Um, like I said, the commission, he loves, loves the fan engagement, loves getting feedback as you've heard. And that helps with the league. As you can tell, um, recent things the league have done and Jim, I definitely know you and I can both speak to this and I want to hear your thoughts on it. I mean, some of the improvements like the website he's bringing up, those are fan based, like 
love of the game type of improvements there. You know, um, the league does is trying to make a concerned effort in many areas right now that we're very much kind of happy to see the last few weeks that they're building. like the media poll and the coaches poll. That's a idea of, you know, I would say gym gyms and the league kind of brewing something together. So, you know, yeah, it, it's amazing. It's, it's, I think it's me, Dorian and Benny, um, Benny, who's now in Orlando. We're the ones that, you know, we put forth the content and we work with the league and, and they post on the website. Cause that was one of our first concerns is like, uh, we need to update our, you know, our, our website and make it more up to date, more fashionable, more, more eye popping than it was. And it's yeah. done a massive improvement over the last, uh, couple of weeks. So I mean, yeah, if you haven't been on the NAL website recently, it, it is much different than it was week one. I mean, the graphics, like I said, you talk between yours, Dorian, Benny, you know, it looks a lot better. You can mm -hmm. find, you know, all the social pages are up and active as normal. They have the coaches poll tab active all the time. You can find instantly the players of the week, including Iron Man, in a beautiful graphic made by Dorian Reedon over up in Albany, who's been doing amazing work as a fan of the, this show and of the empire for several years now. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just going to keep going. I mean, we keep getting hinted behind the scenes that, you know, they're listening for everything and they do have a concerned effort. I think this off season that not just to grow, I think in numbers, but they do want to make a bigger effort this year, moving into next to legitimately do things. They haven't done well in the past Twitter posts. I know I've said something about this on here, but the fact that they're, they actively post more recently, Mm -hmm. That's concerned effort from us and you guys saying things. They listen to fans. They do take it in. You keep saying stuff enough. They do start talking about it more internally. So feedback is a good thing wherever you go on the Facebook pages, on here, on Twitter. And keep it up because they are hearing you. We know this because we talk about it on the side with them. <laughs> we do. Yeah, that happens. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a communication from the PR department uh, presenting this stuff like we've done. Um, that's been a joint effort by a couple of individuals, just not us, because um, we're individuals that love the sport and we want to present our sport to the best of its potential. Um, and, yeah, it, it begins with us and, of course, this podcast and you, the listeners, and the 22 people that are looking live right now. Remember to like, share, subscribe. Um, like a good friend of ours, uh, click the bell. It builds morale. Ding, ding. Um, and uh, I do want to have some personal update. Um, to the fans who have been sending requests about Jim needs to make T-shirts um, about the muck, um, I have been in conversations with a company, and let's just say that they could be being pushed forward here pretty soon so uh yes uh, hopefully we can get some in different colors of each color team of each franchise and just says in the muck um our loyal fans who have uh listened to us um over the last couple of years now we're years uh, episode 101 um but yes yeah, speaking of episode 101 uh last yesterday what well, last week um tuesday last week. tuesday uh, we celebrated our, our had our hundredth uh, episode. There is a video that it's on our YouTube account. We'll play at the end of this video as a thank you to you, the listeners. 
just in case if YouTube or one of these platforms flags it for um, music, because um, we know it's not going to be for visual, um, because we're kind of associated with any, we're associated with any. It's about visual. <laughs> yes, um, audio is what they may tag it, but yes, um, to the fans, uh, thank you for 100 episodes, over 20,000 downloads um, over the last uh, two and a half years. Uh, thank you to the players who have come on to the show. Thank you to the fans, the support, the commissioner, and to the uh, all to you, my friend. 100 episodes. Uh, not a lot of podcasts get to likewise to you. <laughs> 100 episodes. So yeah, it's a it's a great achievement. And of course, we do this because we love the game, we love the sport. Uh, met a couple of shark players this past Tuesday night. Um, they avid listeners. Um, they didn't realize that I was Jim from the podcast until I was there. Oh, look at you. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm getting noticed in Jacksonville, but it's still, it's, uh, it's a most appreciated. We'll play the video at the end of the, the podcast. So it doesn't flag. If it does flag, Oh, well, I'll just upload it again to the actual platform. So it, YouTube is okay with it. It's just, I don't, I'm worried about Facebook. Um, but again, we had the video earlier. So here's the 12 seconds of me just saying thank you to you guys uh, for 100 episodes. Then we'll be back after this short break to break down week six action of the National Arena League. Facts. That's facts. That's facts. That's me just like in an ale rumor. That, yeah, I'm not. that one's not going to get old. I laugh at that every time. Because it's true. It is true. You are the guy who drives it sometimes, and you're the one like, oh, oh, oh. I'm like, no, 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 no. And our Discord server, our, our friends on Discord, again, links in description. Not now, but it will be. Um, come join the community. If you guys are on the chat right now in our Discord server, um, thank you for the support. Uh, it's pretty cool. We do usually do some live game chats. We might do one Sunday for tonight, this week's game. Um, but I want to just say to the people that we are associated with on that, um, people ask, where's this media poll coming from? It's from the discord server with our connections throughout the national arena league. Um, that's how we get the votes for the media poll. Um, yes, there are multiple outlets that like to cover and they're there. Um, come join the Discord. It's a nice community. Um, just FYI, we don't stand for the BS that happens on other social media platforms. Just FYI. Yeah. Um, you yeah. will be removed instantly. You've been warned. You don't get a warning in my our Discord. You get removed instantly. Just be smart. <laughs> you go, that's Jim, that's it. You're gone. You know, <laughs> just be smart. We 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 are open to open engagement, but don't come in and just start going nuts. That's all we're. Yeah. Trying to tell you. We, we if all... you come into my Discord doing this. How dare you? You're gone. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> Just coming up. How dare you? Deuces. Not, nope, nope, not, nope. <laughs> not doing it. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's get into uh, week six action, as you know. Yeah, we got a game to talk about still. We, got a, we, we do got a game. Um, I didn't have time to get graphics made for this game, but... I did find two videos that we've used before to break down the game. So um, the team from Orlando is right here.
versus I think the Preds would be saying that going into the snake pit, <laughs> yes. obviously. And, th- and that's a, that's the first matchup they're going to have back now with the newly loaded roster that the Preds are mm-hmm. bringing into town. Sure, we 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 have talked about the, uh, I would say, the upset win enough from Jacksonville. But, I mean, Jesus, they have parlayed that into, along with bring- Damian Ware bringing a host of his former players to Orlando and good signings that are not just of where's company, but also like ones that are coming back. If you remember Brandon Fuentes, he was announcing he wasn't going to be back and yeah. somehow, some way he's, they got him back. And so you have an all NAL DB coming back. Lonnie outlaws off IR. Anyone see that one? That was another one. Like, okay. Lonnie's and Dylan back. Barnos. And that, that was a huge one today. Yes. Dylan Barnos gets signed on, you know, uh, a not a not so uh, a not so not too shabby kicker himself. One that was known for kicking deuces on a regular interval. Uh, something that's been slowly building up better over the weeks. So, yeah, um, Orlando. I see you have come to the party, but I'm not going to disregard Carolina because yeah, we talked about how some of the stars aren't re- having returned this year. But don't look now, but they're two and one, and they've been playing pretty good football. And have found ways to win one way or another. But they also have an addition, too. They do. As number five, Naquan Nooney Murray has signed with the Carolina Cobras. And he was a dynamic receiver for the Jacksonville Sharks last year, played with Malik Henry in Jacksonville. So there's some relationship there. Um, A lot of new additions in Orlando. A lot of new additions. A sick, uh, what they call a seismic shift of... Orlando down and out, bam, they get a win in Jacksonville, and then they get the additions from the uh, Empire. Uh, Orlando went from they're not going to be a playoff team to legit contenders based with all the additions. But we can't look past what Carolina's done. They have found ways to win football games. They have found ways to be a thorn in someone's neck. But they Mm -hmm. also did win last week. Against Albany, they got the one-point win. They did find a way to handle West Texas, so there's one, and they had a close loss to the by one point to the San Antonio Gunslinger. So they're a very competitive team. Also, when you look at the team, they do have stars. They have Adam Smith as up, well, not just upcoming. He's replaced Kendrick Ings as the number one receiver. Uh, uh, Trey Lance was it Trey Lance? Yes, uh, Lance is there. That's Lance um, Evans, you're meaning. Lance Evans, yeah. not Trey Lance. Um, Trey Lance is the quarterback for San Francisco. <laughs> Timeout. Oh, geez. Lance so Evans. Please. Lance Evans. But you talk. But QB still is a piece that you can talk about right away. Look, we had. I mean, obviously Charles McCollum was there at the beginning yeah. of the year, and I think that was the big uh, talk of the town. Was you have a former all in NAL MVP QB, but 
much as we've seen with Malik Henry goes James Fuller, James Fuller and Malik Henry being together for now two seasons, mm-hmm. starting to pay off on a regular basis. Malik Henry, much like what we were talking about with uh, taking a leap year over year, like Sam Castronova did last season. Yeah. Malik Henry's kind of looking like that player this year. You can argue Rakeem Cato as well has made a jump, but Malik Henry's had his moments where it's like, that's not the same Malik Henry that started in Jacksonville at the beginning of the season. This is this is a guy that's taken what's given. He'll throw the deep ball if needed, and he's choosing to run when he sees the lanes. He's seeing the field better. James Fuller is helping him do that. Yes. Makes the Cobras look pretty deadly, and they had the guy all along, even with having to let go of McCollum, they've been able to continue that train rolling all the same. Yes. And Carolina is a team so far this year that I've seen they went through an adjustment. They they got that little that loss against San Antonio. They were doing that game winning drive at the end of the game, and San Antonio made a massive stop at the end of the game to honestly win the game. If they would have converted on that two point conversion, um, they're talking about the one and zero Carolina Cobras, not the one and zero San Antonio Gunslingers. Uh, this game, it's I want to say it's you know man up type of game. Like, mm-hmm. it's time to show out, Carolina. Are you going to be a top-tier team, meaning a team that's fighting for that one-two seed um, this year? Or are you going to be the team that's going to be in the fold, in the mix, or the muck? Um, this is a game that, even with the additions to Orlando, this could be that team, uh, that game for them. That you know, Yeah, they got the additions, but we, we've we been together. Uh, we have, you know, escaped the drama, as you uh, as you can say, and they're more focused. They have talented players on that team especially Adam Smith, who is having a, 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 you could say, a blowout type of season right now. Um, Malik Henry has completely changed his game from one complete 180 from last year to this year. He's understanding the game more. He's more, in my opinion, he's concentrating. Uh, He's doing the check downs, but he also can throw deep, and he has guys who can go down deep and get the ball. Uh, also, you get the one-man band there in the backfield with you um, who plays both Mac and uh, running back, and that's Zach Brown. Uh, too. He He's healthy. One of the healthy Zach Brown is playing at 100%. He's one of the best or possibly arguably the best um, uh, running back in the league slash uh, Mac. So uh, they have that for them. Of course, they have a secret weapon that is starting to find. He's being more consistent than any team, any other kicker in the league. Right now with deuces, and that's T.C. Stevens. Um, he is the the, the weapon. Um, Fuller, unlike a lot of the uh, coaches so far, I don't know if this is the strategy. Um, he tells T.C. to kick it to the net. Just kick it in the net. He does it consistently, and he's getting deuces. So that's one error. Dylan Barnos was consistent at deuce kicker last year and the year before that for the Orlando Predators. Now he's back. Uh, so that will improve as well. Um, but again, this game is the first game with the new additions for Orlando, and you can see what positions can play well. You, so you got Maxwell, you got Hag, that's going to be the Mac and the Jack, possibly Lonnie Outlaw there too, mm-hmm. and Jack. And you got of course you got Darius Prince, and now you get pair him pair Darius Prince up with Prince Shinola and Clarence Williams and and, and Lonnie Outlaw. We said in the preseason that Carolina had uh, that Orlando was the number one receiving core. They just put that on steroids right now with the additions of uh, of Darius Prince. Um, you talk about the best receiver in the game uh, on that staff with an up and comer in Clarence Williams, who showed out last year. Um, plus Lonnie Outlaw, who I think Lonnie Outlaw is being underused. Uh, he's better than what you see on the stat stat boards, um, and of course you have. 
Bridge Shinola, uh, who showed out against Jacksonville. Uh, he showed out against Albany in the second half uh, in the first game. Um, mm-hmm. Albany. Um, it there is a little things to you know tweak there. Uh, uh, Kirky Walls is going to have a hard time of finding who they want to play in substitution wise. Um, <laughs> it's all in every single arena game. It all comes down to the man at the center. Joseph uh, Hess is Joseph Hess is going to be the reason why Orlando w- will turn their season around, become one of the top tier teams, or he'll be the reason why they are going to be a middle of the pack team and get the four or three seed type of ordeal. So comes down to the quarterback play, but they got studs everywhere now. They got they you got Lloyd that gets back up with Cisse. You got Maxwell. You got Lonnie Outlaw. Like if you're a arena football fan and you look at Orlando's uh, roster, you look. Oh my God! They have an all-star team. <laughs> well, I mean, well, that certainly feels that way. I'm taking on the, I don't know, the Atlanta Hawks. Like it's almost unfair uh, how much talent Orlando has on their roster right now. I, I do think your point in being, how is Herky Walls and Damon Ware going to balance this? I would say entire talent pool they have because. Mm-hmm. You know, you bring Brandon Fuentes back, and you have Dwayne Hollis now. So that's two guys. Now, now credit, you know, Hollis and Fuentes have both played Ironman. Fuentes did last year before he was knocked out for the season for a little bit. So not saying you have to put him at specialty players, but like, for example, Fuentes, you know, to me, he played his best when he was a specialist the year before they went to Ironman in in 2021. They, you know, they, they, I thought had their bet. He played his best ball that season. And that was where I was surprised that last year they went in and had him play two ways. Mm-hmm. And now you have more questions, I think in that regard, because, okay, you have two great DBs that can play two ways. Then you have Josh Jenkins and Dalvin and Dalvin Randall, who just came off their best performances of the season against the Jacksonville sharks. And we already know Jenkins is an all NAL talent. Randall is one of the better contributors on the predators defense. Um, that's a balancing act in itself. You're going to have to figure out right away. You know, Lonnie Outlaw, same deal, you know, uh, cause I mean, Nick Hag's here now, you're going to have to balance who's, who's in that linebacking core. Who's the ones you want to have in there. Rotations will be key to the way that the Preds play, but it's a good thing though. This is a good problem to have when you have, Oh, don't, don't worry. I can just pull like say Lonnie's on the bench. I can just rotate Lonnie in for Nick. No big deal. You know, or I can just change what Lonnie's doing on the fly. No big deal. I can, uh, oh yeah, say Josh needs a rest. Yeah, let me just put Brandon in. You know how weird that sounds like? I said, let me put my all NAL guy in for my all NAL guy. <laughs> like, just, just stop for a second and think about that. You it's know how often loaded, we say that? Little to none. A, it's literally a loaded roster. It's uh, a built. They're just one key piece of being the elite roster in the NAL right now. And I know that might be, you know, ticking some fan bases off north of Orlando, which consists of every other team in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do. It's Even though they have all that talent, it's going to come down to where it's going to come down to Herky Walls and how they you know, manage the, manage these players, how not to burn these players on accident from you know subbing in and out. That's going to be a game in itself. Um, and also, one thing that I look at this game, or I look at this roster, is that if I was Herky, I'll just, you know, defensive specialist right now is Brandon Fuentes and Hollis. That's it. And you got Josh Jenkins. You have three defensive specialists. Use them all three on, well, you know, you got to have one as a D line. Never mind. Um, yeah. So 
you, you're Josh Jenkins and Brandon Fuentes or Hollis. It's it's hard. It's really hard. It's a balancing gotta, act. You, That's the you thing. You got to balance it, and you, and you got to if you do it wrong at one point, you burn a guy for a whole quarter or possibly mm-hmm. a crucial part of the game in the second quarter into the fourth quarter because you're trying you're trying to do that subbing. Um, but if you ask any coach to have that wealth of riches on your staff, um, I think they'll be okay if they accidentally burn somebody because they have a stud to replace the one that they just had on the field. Well, See, I, mean, I think I think that'll 14. help with your that'll probably help with your game with I think at least freshness in a game. Uh the depth, I would say. Your your bench. This is where we're talking like basketball and like NHL type of terminology with like your rotations and all mm-hmm. that. That's where you're gonna benefit. Like even with your starting lineup having guys, your rotation, when you have guys that come in and say they want, you know, you have the Cobras at some point inevitably swap in some folks to give others a breather. Yep. That's where they can get you. That's, that's the thing for a lot of teams are gonna be like, how do we counteract that when they have a second line of guys that could be its own team, you know, on the side. And I think the only other, I think the only main question besides the way that these guys are going to be laid out is a roster for the starting lineups and for rotations has been about Joseph Hess. Cause yes, Joseph Hess's second game as a predator. Excellent game. I mean, just was able to find open man downfield every possession, almost every possession with the only exception of a problematic possession being that final one they had that almost cost them their contest against Jacksonville. Nonetheless, the thing that's got me happy about this is Joseph Hess. Where, where did Joseph Hess get signed on to before he was with Orlando? Well, what coach was he with? Manas. He's with Manas and where in Albany. Yeah. And who just, who just went to Orlando? Damien Ware. Damien Ware. So, you're telling me that the young QB that just had his best game of the season, his his best arena game of his career in Jacksonville, Indeed. now gets to play with not only his head coach, Herky Walls, getting better as things have gone on, which is it's definitely been night and day since that Albany contest. But now you get to play with an assistant head coach and offensive coordinator that you were with in previous, earlier this year and have known longer than that. I think I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> I think I think I'm feeling pretty good and a little more comfortable with that person being behind in I my would corner. What too? <laughs> so you know there is that, and I think this battle is going to be fascinating because I mean the pre, like I said the the Preds it's a lot of new guys but the Cobras I'll talk you tell you band of brothers s type of uh, mentality. There's a lot of guys that have been there from last year's squad, and mm-hmm. again head coach being basically the offensive coordinator assistant to Josh Resignal last season. I mean. They band together. They know how to play gritty games. It's gonna be it's gonna be a dogfight, and it's gonna be a fun lone game in the NAL. I, it's one of, in the landscape of indoor. Yeah, the NAL's got one game this weekend, but uh, I'm sorry, I could easily argue it's the best game in town between all of them between the main leagues. You can come at me with your best shot, but I I would dare you say it is the best one that you will be watching this weekend. Guarantee it'll has be the good most production drama. too. Hmm? I guarantee we'll have the most drama. It probably will. It, it also have some of the best camera work because the, the Carolina squad staff does a great job with handling those games mm-hmm. in terms of production. So don't worry. Honestly, there's not really, there's not really many NAL games that have too poor production. I, I mean, even West Texas got to give them kudos. Their last game, they listened. We said, you say something, teams listen. West Texas, they listened. 
Mm-hmm. Fayetteville, they had, they had a good, for the most part, right out of the gate. Yeah, we talked about the officiator, <laughs> the crew having to go upstairs, but they fixed that game too. There's really not too many bad games in the house to sit back and relax and not have to worry as much. This one, Carolina's one of the best crews in the biz and one of the fun, one of the more fun broadcast crews to listen to. And it's a definitely, even if we had other games, it'd be hard to argue this wouldn't be the game of the week. Yeah, true. <laughs> in any regard. True. Well, because it's the only one. That, that well, default. okay, yes, of course. <laughs> but I mean, even if we had more, yeah. I still would say you, it's hard for me to not put this one as the game of the week. And the storylines, of course. All right. So um, I think it is. Let's see. Let's go right here. I've never seen them act like that before. Denial can be an ugly thing. Well, we should go, Mr. Ventura. I've arranged a plane. I'll meet you at the bottom. There's still one more thing I must do before I go. Oh, you, you know it's that time. Yes. <laughs> well, I messed up on the graphic. You went 2-0 last week, same as I went 2-0 last week. Uh, two weeks ago, I went 0-3. So uh, you're back in first place, my friend. You're back in first place, my friend. There we go. Ooh, all right. Hi. I speak English. Yes, right. very nice. Right and high, very nice, very nice. We got one. It's it's so funny looking at this with only one game on here, but still mm-hmm. having a good having a good laugh. Uh, Car- let's see. Carolina gets a home game in the Snake Pit, looking like it should be a solid crowd, much like the last game, by the way, which had a really good crowd in the Snake Pit. They've been doing a great job promoting the team this year. Um, and the Predators, well, they're coming to town. A lot of new faces in a new place. Uh, but that doesn't mean it's going to be an easy game. Uh, do I think that this Preds group with a bunch of new players, a lot of great players, pulls off the win? Yes, I do. But I don't think it's going to be a blowout. It's going to be a close one. The Cobras are going to be in this one to win it. Um, and they are going to be a hard out in the snake pit. But I got to go with Orlando. Even with Joseph Hess being a young QB, there's so much supporting staff he has around him now mm-hmm. that even if we have the discussion of, well, how do you rotate the lines? Like, that's minuscule when it's like, uh, does it matter when I could just throw in an NAL talent for an NAL talent? Um, I'm going to go with the Preds, uh, but it'll be a fun one over in Greensboro. I lost. I'm not supposed to lose. Let me see the script. I was ready for the fake out. <laughs> oh, yeah. The script has been written. We have seen it. It was built up with some interesting aspects. New Giants and Orlando, Hag, Prince, Cisse, Hollis, Brandon Fuentes. But Carolina, they're just sitting back, had a bye week, enjoying it, relaxing. Got an addition of Naquan Newton Murray, quarterback, doing well. This is in the snake pit, and the drama will be fierce, and the drama will be exciting to a point where I think it comes down to the very last possessions where Joseph Hess and the Orlando Predators get the ball, and they're driving with multiple seconds left, get into excellent range, and they find a way to turn over the ball and lose to the Carolina Cobras. Oh, wow. 
Oh, you uh, swerved it. The, the Quarreline Corners will win this game in a nail-biter in an NAL fashion where a key turnover at the end of the game results in a loss for the Orlando Predators. But this doesn't mean Orlando is going to fall away. It takes time for a new team to gel. They will be a much better team the next time they play each other in Orlando. And I'll predict that game right now. Orlando will win that game in Orlando big time when they face in a couple of weeks down Orlando. But oh, yeah. for the one in Greensboro, those pesky snakes find a way <laughs> to strike at the drama that is the Orlando Predators and steal the win in Greensboro. They hang around. I'm, so. I, I'm, I'm liking. I don't, I don't doubt they can pull it off. I, I just think you're gonna have to. Well, it's gonna be. I like to be off so wrong too. Oh no! I look. I, I, it's like I like we talk. This is gonna be a mm-hmm. good one. I mean, you still. I, I don't care what you think about all the signings that came over in Orlando or whatnot. Tune in because I mean, Carolina. They ain't too shabby of a team. There's a reason why. We had, uh, between the media and the coaches poll this week, we had differences on where the Cobras landed. Uh, they very much make a compelling case for that two spot right now mm-hmm. uh, where people have to think about it for a second. Yeah. So in Orlando, I think a lot of us are just waiting to see how this team gels after this week, and then we can kind of get even more serious about where we place them in the grand scheme of the league yeah. uh, is all. So t- tune in. This is it's one game, but it's if, uh, scheduled games. You don't want to miss this one game. <laughs> True. Just saying, uh, this is the game you want to watch this weekend, people. If 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 the predictions go as well as my NFL predictions this, last year, I will be above average all year. So I'm going. I'm I'm keeping the tradition alive from our NFL show we do, uh, where I'm just above average. So um, yeah, I could be completely wrong, and Orlando can go up there and just whip them. Um, then I can be right and be one of very few people on our Discord that have picked the Cobras. Um, this week to knock off the Orlando Predators. But the following week, next week, we have some incredible action in the NAL. Uh, back in Jacksonville, the Clash of Empires. Oh, as yes. it, when the Empire goes to the Jacksonville Sharks to take on the Jacksonville well, – to, to Jacksonville to take on the Jacksonville Sharks. Correct your own self, Jim. Um, <laughs> also, <laughs> West Texas hosts the San Antonio Gunslingers. And the NAL game of the week next week is the uh, Rumble – uh, Carolina Rumble between the Fayetteville Mustangs and the uh, Fay- and Carolina Cobras. Um, that is week seven um, of the National Arena League. But uh, we're here for a couple more minutes. Um, any fan questions, podcast questions, send them now that we can answer. I know some of you guys were a little reluctant to send questions for Chris Siegfried. Uh, any questions that uh, you want us to answer, um, you know, send them our way now. Um, but yes, uh, thank you to Commissioner Siegfried joining us uh, for the first hour of program. Um, it's an honor to have him on. The guy is busy constantly. I talk mm-hmm. to him quite often. He is always doing something for the league. You don't understand how much stuff he does behind the scenes uh, for the league. Again, he is employed employed by the owner. So, um, and also I have a good relationship with a few owners in this league as well. Um, so, any questions about the league? Anything I might be able to answer them. There, there are stuff that I can't answer. Um, and no, don't tell me to do some hand symbol to say, yay, like blink twice if you're in danger. I <laughs> Take won't a do drink anything. if you... <laughs> yeah. Look to the left happened. side of the screen if this happened. Uh, I don't know. Um, but yeah, um, any qu- if not, I want to say to our listeners, uh, thank you for the support of the years. So um, before we sign off or kind of sign off, man, what time is it? 45... 
Okay, we'll give you another two minutes if any of the listeners want to send questions. Uh, remember our Discord. Matter of fact, I wonder if I can I do that. Yes. Um, continue. Let me go put the Discord yeah. in the chat so you guys can click on it and head to our, our Discord page and join the, the community over there inside the walls. Yeah, go right ahead and do that. Um, I, again, I, I guess we're talking. If you don't submit, say you don't submit a question, I'll I'll reiterate a few, maybe some that tuned in for Commissioner Siegfried and left some that I think I, I did imply a few were kind of answered um, on here. So for example, we did have one about NAL IFO merger that that one's not happening. Um, and Chris has clearly alluded, you know, they're, you know, they're competing leagues. They root for, he roots for their successes. And I think the like from what we've been told, you know, um, but they are definitely separate independent of each other. That is not, I didn't, I don't foresee that at all happening. Uh, in the near future. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think other ones on expansion, um, you know, kind of hard to dive into the weeds beyond we're talking to markets, which knowing the NAL, yes, they are actively talking to markets. There's actually at least one of them that we knew from last season that we weren't sure was going to happen or not this year or not that we're waiting to see if it still will not going to go beyond that. But we did have someone tell us this and we're like, okay, well, we'll, play it by ear like everyone Ooh, I else know does. I know the team's in Jacksonville uh oh Orlando no. Greensboro mm-hmm. oh those teams already exist never mind yeah sorry we already have those in the market <laughs> <laughs> but yeah 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 oh you thought we were gonna give you some intel around this haha well we're okay, not gonna, okay. we're not gonna go I confess I confess I confess we'll put a team somewhere in Odessa <laughs> maybe cats all, the, ma- maybe cats all out of the bag Maybe San Antonio, yeah. Yeah, I'm missing one. Fayetteville, yeah. We'll put a team in Fayetteville. Is that good? <laughs> I named all seven cities. <laughs> Jim is being a douche. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like, he, I did one thing I wanted to want to say. I don't know who said this. It's either I'm on our Facebook pages or Twitter. Someone said Jim is the Adam Schefter of the National Real League. Uh, you don't understand how much I, that really means. Really does. Um, Usually when you hear people like our little video we play of the dancing in the moonlight, um, everyone's dancing about rumors and you see me going, yeah, uh, <laughs> usually that means a lot. If I'm not, if I'm like Zach, you know, something's happening, but if I'm doing that, yeah, no, yeah. X name. Um, no. Um, but yeah, to the person who ever said out there that Jim is the Adam Schefter of the national Marine league. Um, uh, I really appreciate it. I really do. Um, it's just me building relationships with a lot of these organizations over the years, uh, relationships that, um, start off a little bumpy. Um, uh, there was like a, a friendly rivalry between one of them. And now we've, we're becoming text buddies now. Um, uh, and he, he currently is a head coach of a certain team up North, far up North by themselves in the empire state. I mean, you know, that team, um, but, but yeah, it's, it, it, it it, it's it's a, it's an honor, and the, the the kind words that you guys send us uh, about how we uh, are dedicated. I read a review on our uh, Apple. Remember, listeners, if you're listening to this podcast, send reviews five star on our podcast platform as well. Um, I heard something. I uh, read it on our one of our reviews that this is the most dedicated podcast to arena football they have heard in years. Again, that um, thank you. Uh, we really appreciate it. Yeah, we no, do this because of the players. These players are damn good athletes that get zero coverage by the national media. And we get in here and we just, you know, go full bore and give them full coverage. Oh, and 
it, that's what we'll do. And we mean Zach really can't stand what other entities from other networks drop in and act like they know what they're talking about when they do absolutely know nothing what they're talking about. But that's for you, the fans, to the people who dedicate to the the thirty nine that showed up just moments ago. Um, now it's on eleven, but still to the fifty that were on during Chris Siegfried's. Um, if you're re-listening to this, thank you. Really appreciate it. Much respect. Um, again, I really uh, I have I share a passion of this league. Same as Zach, we both love the indoor game, arena game, um, and we do it for the players and the coaches that deserve to get this game presented in a spotlight that they rightfully need. Um, right. But yes, that's what we do. And again, thanks to Chris Siegfried, um, Zach. I was to say you close us out. We'll have the video to close out the episode, and we'll see you guys on Tuesday, honestly. Yeah, yes. I'd say that, that about covers it, guys. Uh, enjoy the game this weekend. You know, it's coming up, well, since this live stream, with uh, next 20, roughly 24 hours or so. So just kind of sit back, relax, have some good times. We'll catch you in the chat um, for that game. Should be a blast. You don't want to miss it. Uh, rest of the season is going to be even more chaotic. Now we got all these transactions out of the way. Uh, boy, oh, boy, let the party get started. Yep. This time with week six. Catch you on the other side, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for the support that we have gotten. 101 episodes, many more are coming. And we'll see you next week when we recap this game and uh, maybe talk about a few more things. Who knows what comes up anymore? It's the NAL, everybody. It's always a must pay, must watch on your website, on, the, on YouTube for the games, you name it. See you on the flip, though, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. And they go. We all got some sorrow, you watch the ebbs and the flows. Well, we gotta hustle, and then we hustle some more. Okay, I do this for the passion, but I'm still getting the dough. All right, now action for real, be the star of the show. And you go stand in front of everyone and let them all know that you the main one, the real thing. They ask about that G, I'm riding on them, let them know that they all gonna see. But haters talking ish, like I should go and chill. But I'm so hydrated, cause my name's Water Will. It's the Evian Dot, it's the Fiji OG. Everybody in the city know me, know me. I hustle to make it, I gotta go shine I'm doing the work, work, I'm spending the time I hustle to make it, I gotta go shine I'm doing the work, work, I'm spending the time Man on a mission, that's me, that's me, that's me To be what I'm destined to be Man on a mission, that's me, that's me, that's me To be what I'm destined to be Just how I do it, okay, that's just how it go We all got a vision, you watch the story unfold One day at a time, you're back up against the wall I'm still standing here, okay, I'm still standing tall Alright, I do it for real, you gon' say how I feel I'ma tell you I'm back, baby, I'm keeping so chill Let me tell ya, I'm about my business for real I'll be whipping down the road with my hand on the wheel But haters talking ish, like I should go and chill But I'm so hydrated, cause my name's Water Will It's the Evian Dot, it's the Fiji OG Everybody in the city know me, know me I hustle to make it, I gotta go shine I'm doing the work, work, I'm spending the time I hustle to make it, I gotta go shine I'm doing the work, work, I'm spending the time Man on the mission
go for the glory. You gotta take what's yours and never give that back. Believing in yourself, you gotta live like that. Now look at the boy, I got a family tree. Family tree. Now watch this, bruh, bruh, cause you know me. You know me. It's rounds from flip tones, we be killing the beat. Killing the beat. It's time to go to battle, no surrender retreat. Covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight, this is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach 